EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, and welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been with my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people who are a product of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events, locales, or persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Kate. That, folks, obviously is my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Kate Murray, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, Bill Murray, and me, your host, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town. Welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This week on KB Cabaret, we celebrate the season with Christmas-themed music from our own producer, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. And now KB Cabaret presents Advice with Granny Ada, Parlor City's cherished advice columnist. Dear Granny Ada, a few nights ago I was watching an infomercial on Turbo Weight Busters, a diet program promising to blast off 65 and a half pounds in only six weeks. I was all excited and ordered the program's package. But now I'm worried. What if I do lose 65 and a half pounds? This weight, it's protected me from relationships with men, the heartache of breakups, and extramarital affairs. If I become thin and gorgeous, not only will I have the aforementioned problems, but also I'm going to need to buy new clothes, shoes, and a car to match my hot outer appearance. Right now I wear leisure suits, Kmart sneakers, and drive a light blue 2001 Ford Taurus. Granny Anna, I can't afford to buy all those things. I already maxed out my credit card buying Turbo Weight Busters. I'm getting so nervous about the new me that I'm eating a quart of Ben and Jerry's Monkey Chunk just writing this letter. What should I do? Signed, Swaddled with Fat. Dear Swaddled, How delightful. Ordering a product that promises to make you lose 65 and a half pounds in just six weeks. My dear, I see no reason for you to get so worked up 
or worried about this. Aside from losing the money, losing the weight is not likely to happen anyway. Instead, my advice to you would be to see a good counselor, not for weight loss, dear, but for grandiose delusions. Now, I'm not saying you have the desire to become a queen or anything silly like that. I am saying, however, being worried that you will become too hot is nothing you should be worried about. You need to discover who the real you is. Get out of the kitchen. Find better sneakers and a better attitude. Volunteer and help the old or the blind. They won't care what you look like as long as you give them a helping hand and don't smell bad. Maybe with time you will realize that you are a good person, small, big, or bigger. Stop using your fat as an excuse for safety. There's no protection for stupid, dear. Stupid is what stupid does. Get counseling, volunteer, and try to get your money back from the Turbo Ripoff Company. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a nice day. Granny Ada gentlemen, Parlor City chef extraordinaire, Beulah Deschamps. Oh, why, thank you. I was so worried for you, Beulah. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to call you at least three times a day since we last talked. What is going on? Well, a stupid misunderstanding is what is going on over a bunch of carrots, no less. I know the last time we spoke, you were in the midst of an arrest. I know. Well, in the name of Mercy Beulah, I'm asking you again, what happened? Well, so this crazy merchant calls the police over ranting and raving and that I stole carrots, which I, I say adamantly again, I did no such thing. Well, right. And I repeatedly told the policeman this. Right. But he still took me down to the police station. Oh, Beulah. I had to make a statement and be fingerprinted. Are you kidding me? I kid you not. So? So now I have to appear in front of a French court in Lille for a hearing next week. I, I am so worried that I have to go to jail or get deported. W well, did you hire a lawyer? No. Since this is such a small incident, I was told not to bother. What about the tour with the jazz singer? Isabella? Yes. Well, they were so sweet about it. They said not to worry. I could join up with them in Prague after the hearing. Oh, I am so oh. sorry you're going through this, Beulah. So am I. My dear, more champagne. Oh, Arnaud, oui, s'il vous plaît. Santé. <laughs> Beulah? Uh, yes, Bree? Who is that? Arnaud, a peach of a man. Arnaud. The policeman who arrested me, he apologized by taking me out since the unfortunate incident. Really? Really. You see, Bree, I may be upset, but I don't plan on being set back. 
Right now we are sitting in a lovely pub in Belgium having champagne and gouffres waffles. Belgium. Uh, well, Brussels, to be exact. Well, you certainly caught me off guard here. Well, it only takes about an hour to get there by train, and I'm so glad dear Arno brought me here. The policeman who arrested you, huh? Having an open mind gets you far, Bree. I guess so. Oh, I have an interesting fact to tell you about one of the greatest food inventions of our time. Oh, do tell. Well, French fries are not originally from France. No? No. French fries actually originated from Belgium. Really? That's right. You see, again, it was all a misunderstanding. Frite in French means chips or fried. Sounds like fries. In Old English, to French cut a vegetable is to cut lengthwise. See, French fries are a lengthwise cut vegetable fried. French fries. But in actuality, it originates in Belgium. We modest Belgians don't mind the French claim because we know that fries are God's gift to our people. <laughs> ah, no. It is thought that the famous fry originated in the Meuse region in the year 1680. Poor inhabitants of the Meuse Valley area subsisted mainly on fish, but when the river Meuse froze in 1680, potatoes were cut in the shape of fish, fried and used as a substitute to their main staple, or <laughs> so the story goes. The Belgian tourist board says that Belgian fries les frites were incorrectly named French fries by American servicemen when they came to Belgium at the end of World War I because the French language was spoken around certain parts of the area. More frites are famous in this area. That's a bowl of mussels and fries, a staple in Belgium. Well, that is an interesting story. I'm sending you a few recipes to pass on to your listeners as we speak. Since we just arrived today, I am sharing with you what Arnaud and I ordered in this little hometown pub. Let me guess. Mussels and fries? Well, that wasn't one of the dishes that we ordered. Well, you just talked about it. Well, you you know, fine. I'll post that one, too. It is really easy to make. Okay, so what else? Well, these waffles are to die for. Seriously, the best I have ever had and asked for the recipe. How nice the chef gave it to you. Why, yes. Le chef is mon frère, my brother. Yes, and he gave me this wonderful rum omelette recipe, too. Rum omelette? <laughs> Decadently rich rum omelette. Almost like a pudding-like consistency. Delicious. I just downloaded all three, Brie. See if you have it. Okay. Yes. Yes, got them. Wow, these look good. So, Biola, what are you going to do next? A little more champagne. <laughs> a little dancing. Maybe go to London or Paris before the quartet. Yes, Biola, Cherie. <laughs> Maybe. I'll fill you in on what happened next week, okay, Brie? Sure. Thanks for the recipes, and glad you're safe. Au revoir. Au revoir. Good luck. Well, Beulah sure turns low situations into high notes, doesn't she? I will post the moule frites and the gouffray Belgian waffles and the rum omelette recipes on Beulah's recipe bar. 
These and all her other amazing culinary dishes can be found exclusively on our app. Just go to kbcabaret.com, that's kbkabaret.com, and download yours today. Party, party. Come on, Maureen. You're always studying. It's time you got out. I have exams next Wednesday. I can't. Sure you can. That's next Wednesday, and it's Saturday night. I know. Listen, it's the MIT annual frat party next door. The guys are nerds, but they're my friends. They're nice, and they give a great party. And you need to get out from behind this desk. All right, okay. I'll go if Debbie goes, too. And only for a few hours. What, is this a package deal? The three of us are, I won't go. Strength in numbers. Fine. Let's ask Debbie. Okay, now, ladies, before we go inside, you need to know the rules. What are you talking about? Rules? Look, the two of you are new at this. I've been to these parties a hundred times. I know the shakedown. So what is just a party? Whatever you do, do not drink from the witch's brew. Witch's brew? Witch's brew. The guys at the frat party put dry ice in the punch bowl and add every alcoholic drink imaginable. Later, the time, the more potent it gets. It's now 11 p.m., so the brew must be pretty potent by now. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for coming. Who are your friends? Maureen and Debbie. Maureen, Debbie, Mark. Hey. Mark's practically a legend at MIT. He's been an undergrad for 12 years. Yeah, haven't declared my major yet. Can't decide. Yeah, an MIT administration can't decide how to kick old Marky boy out. (laughs) So... Debbie, right? Yeah. What's your sign? Huh? My guess is caution curves ahead. Do you know what's on the menu? No. Me and you. Oh, well. Is that Maureen calling me? I gotta go. Cool music. Yeah, but the worst pickup lines ever. Do you know what one guy said to me? What, I'm afraid to ask. I've got Skittles in my mouth. Wanna taste a rainbow? Oh! (laughs) Here's some punch. At least that's good. Wait, isn't that the witch's brew Bruce warned us about? Can't be, because it's just really sweet and creamy. Mmm, there's sherbet in it. And colorful. See the pretty little swirls? Yeah. These are big cups, though. Yeah, it tastes so good, I figure I'd put them in these and, and save a few trips. Good idea. I see things differently now, you know? This place, it's pretty. Yeah. Mansionly like. Is it hot in here? Yeah. 
I'm going to the little girl's room. Want to come? Nah, you go ahead. Oh, it's getting late. I better check on the girls. You're not their babysitter. I know, but I'm their friend. I sort of feel responsible for them. Okay, Dad. Funny. Hey, uh, Debbie, what are you doing? Where are you? Right in front of you. Ooh, I see your feet. Nice shoes. What are you doing on all fours? It's easier than standing. I think it's time to go home. Let's find Maureen. Okay. <laughs> hey, this room is spinning. How'd they do that? Yep, you drank out of the witch's brew. You were so wrong about that. It's sweet and tastes so good. Let's get some more. No, not a good idea. Ah, there's Maureen holding up the wall. Help me. Maureen, what are you doing? I can't move. Why can't you move? Because if I move, this wall will fall down. I see. Why don't we get Mark to hold up the wall? Good idea. Mark, man. Hold up this wall, will you? Oh, cool. Is this a new game? Exactly. Close your eyes and count slowly to a thousand. Okay. One, two, three. That a boy. Come on, girls. Oh, oh, do I have a headache? What am I doing on the floor in a sleeping bag? Rise and shine, girls. Uh, don't shout like that. Can't you see we died? Well, here's a little snake juice to bite the poison out of your system. What is it? All I can tell you is it has some anti-witch brew potion and a raw egg in each glass. Thanks. But remind me never to go to a party like that again. Yeah, best to stick to your studies. Become a lawyer and sue people like Mark the frat boy. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Me too. Oh, oh worst antidote ever. Oh, you got that right. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for taking care of us. You're the best substitute dad a girl could ever have. I have claimed to fame that not many women my age write rap songs. I do come from a dysfunctional family, have love for poetry, and am a true theater geek. So writing rap, believe it or not, comes very naturally. This Christmas song called Santa Rap, Dear Santa, is a collaboration between myself and Dave Rice. I wrote the child's part, and he wrote Santa's part. It is about a child who is worried he wasn't quite as good all year as he should have been. His ace in the hole is the fact that he saw Santa kissing Mom under the mistletoe. He promises not to tell Mrs. Claus if... Well, you can guess the rest. Santa Rap Dear Santa is for sale on CD Baby. Okay, I am shamelessly plugging this.
However, I am donating part of the proceeds to Make-A-Wish Foundation. I chose this foundation because I believe making someone's dream come true is a beautiful thing. Santa Rap, Dear Santa I'm taking over Santa in the North Pole. I'm wrapping the presents and I'm getting the presents. How do you like that, Santa? <laughs> you and all your reindeer go on back to the North Pole. Let it hit him. Come on. Yeah. Yeah.
good, not the bad. Guess what? I'm real and I'm not your dad. Better be good, yeah, all year round at the North Pole, chilling where I get down. Hang over the elves, yeah, don't tell the missus. I've been hanging with your mom, she be giving me kisses. Nothing on the KBK. Hey, Roger Neal, you got that? Bob Joseph. Kathy White. A big shout out. Oh, what up, KBK oh. crew? D nice. Is nice. And naughty. Welcome to Mattress Universe, where your bed is our bed. How can I help you? Well, we're looking for a mattress. Wonderful. You've come to the right place. We have over a thousand mattresses on the premises for you to try. What type of mattress do you have in mind? Well, I'd like something soft and comfortable. And I would like something comfortable, but a little more firm. Good, good. That narrows it down to about 223 adjustable styles. So, what I'm going to do is point out the features while you can lay back, relax, and test each one of them out. 223? We're gonna be here all day. I've got a dentist appointment at 3 o'clock. Yeah, and I have to mow the lawn or shovel snow or something. Oh, let me see. Tell you what, I'll show you my top 50 favorites. You still have a great selection and be out of here in time to have your molars filled and your lawn work done. How's that sound? Fine. Good, good. Now, this one has the feature of adjustable setting for firmness, adjustable heat control, and a pillow top for additional comfort. Ooh. Take off your shoes and try it out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, my first ex, come to think of it, all my exes, yelled at me for taking off my shoes. Yeah, my feet stink. I think my third wife divorced me just for that. She said my feet stunk worse than a sewage plant in 105 degrees. Filed for irreconcilable differences. Um, well, uh... Yeah, this mattress feels good to me. I guess, but still feels kind of hard. Okay, then I may have just a thing. Come with me. Try this one. Mm. Oh, yeah, I like this. This mattress utilizes aerospace technology created for ultimate comfort for our astronauts. It has the anti-gravitational muscle releasers and remembers who slept on it as far back as three years. Really? Yeah, I bought this for my five daughters. The good Lord help me. Can you imagine having that much female hormones running around the house? Holy mackerel. Yeah, this baby helped me kick out two guys and three gerbils, don't ask, from the house. Because of the infrared technology built in this mattress, I saw the unfamiliar indentations and grounded my little girlies for six months. Huh. Well, I like this one, but it's hard to move around in. Oh, you're an active man in bed, huh? Well, then come this way. This one's a real honey. Same technology as the last, but has a little gyro force to help with the motion emotion, if you know what I mean. Oh, now this is what I'm talking about. Honey, gotta try this mattress. Yeah, I wish I had this back in 92. Would have saved that marriage. The wife said I was slow on the uptake. She fell asleep before you could say, Bob's your uncle. She left me for Bob, come to think of it. Guess he had this mattress. <laughs> uh, I, 
I don't know, Dave. I mean, it's okay, but I think I like the second one better. Mm, I think I like this one more. Now, now, you two. No need to get in a tizzy over comfort and practicality. This one over here comes with all the bells and whistles of the second mattress, the motion emotion of the third mattress, and as a handy mother-in-law warning device I wish I had during my fourth marriage. We'll, we'll take, take it. it. Good. I'll have Harry here get all the particulars from you to cash out. Gotta run. The missus wants me to go buy a couch today. Got the decorating bug. May the good Lord help me. But I'm going prepared. Yes, sirree. Got my earbuds set to the easy listening tunes of Garth Brooks and some nacho stuffed beer pretzels in my inside pockets. Hey, don't forget. Wash those feet and use some fungus spray. Could be a marriage saver. See ya. This is a fun tune I wrote for my honey called Happy Times Baby. Parlor City Library, ma'am. How can I help you? I'm returning this book, and it's overdue. I'm sorry. My dear husband passed away last week, and with the arrangements and the funeral, I, I completely forgot about returning the book. It won't happen again. I see, ma'am. Let me look up that book, and I'll see what the overdue fine will be. Hmm, you're two days overdue. And this is a special reserve book that many people want to read. So the fine is $35. You can pay that with cash or credit card. Uh, no checks, please. $35? But I have a good excuse. 
I'm a new widow. I've been coming to this library since I was a child. And I can remember when you used to charge five cents a day. Times have changed, ma'am. Now, how would you like to pay your fine? Why, I wouldn't like to pay it at all. I think I'll just do business with the bookstore from now on. That book would only cost me $15.95 to purchase. <sighs> Ma'am, if you wanted to do business with a bookstore, you shouldn't have come into our library in the first place. If you want to use our free services, then you need to live up to your responsibilities and return the books on time. That's all we ask. Now, cash or credit card. Don't pressure me, young man. I have no intention of paying $35 for a book that only is two days overdue when I had a perfectly good excuse. Is there anyone else here I can speak to? Well, you can speak to my boss, but I don't really think you want to do that. Why not? It's Marion the Librarian. So, is that supposed to mean something to me? Marion the Librarian is the new library boss in town. She doesn't like overdue books. And she hates people who return overdue books. In fact, she seems to hate everything and everybody having anything to do with this library. So I think you'd be better off dealing with me and just meekly paying your overdue fine like everyone else does. I will not be intimidated. Bring this Marion, the librarian, out here, and I'll give her a piece of my mind. Oh, please don't make me call Marion, the librarian, out here. She'll yell at me, and she'll yell at you, too. I'll tell you what. I'll pay half your overdue fine for you if you agree not to bring Mary and the Librarian into this. Sir, you certainly are a sorry excuse for a librarian. Not to mention a sorry excuse for a man. Bring Mary and the Librarian out here at once. Okay, but I warned you. This is Larry calling Mary and the Librarian. There is a customer at the front desk who wants to speak with you. Repeat, Mary and the Librarian to the front desk. There. I did it. I hope you're happy. This won't end well. Young man, why are you putting on that football helmet? Because she's going to hit me. Larry! Didn't I tell you I didn't want to be disturbed? I'm very busy figuring out how to spend all the money we're receiving from my new overdue fine system. Why did you disturb me? Don't hit me, Miss Marion, please. This woman insisted on speaking to you. I'll deal with her in a minute. First, you and I have a problem to deal with, Larry. Oh, no, Miss Marion, please. No more problems with you. I hate having problems with you. Larry... I found this book on the wrong shelf. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? It's the minimum amount of knowledge I require from all of the library employees. Of course I know the Dewey Decimal System, Miss Marion. I spent four years in college learning it. I never place a book on the wrong shelf. I always double-check. It must have been one of the customers. Don't blame the customers. The buck stops with you, Larry. Now, hand me the paddleboard. Turn around, bend over. No, Miss Marion. Not the paddleboard again. When will you people understand that I will not tolerate incompetence in my library? Here it comes, Larry. This will hurt me 
A lot more than it hurts you. No! Out! Stop! Stop making such a fuss, Larry! Take your punishment like a man! Now get out of here and put that book in its proper place! Yes, Miss Marion. Whatever you say, Miss Marion. Now, ma'am, what do you want? What was so crucially important that you had me pulled out of my office when I'm busily occupied trying to make improvements to this dreadful library? Well, I agree this library is dreadful. Good. We agree. Anything else? Yes. I am returning a book that is two days overdue because my husband died and your employee tells me the fine is $35. Well, cash or credit card? Neither. I won't pay. I had a perfectly good excuse. The old, my dearly departed husband who I miss so much and I just couldn't stop grieving long enough to return the library's valuable property excuse. Ha! I wish I had $35 for every time I've heard that excuse. I have heard enough. Good day, Marion the librarian. And good luck trying to get that $35 from me. Ma'am, I didn't want to have to resort to this measure, but... What? A taser? Thirty-five bucks, please. I am not paying the fine. Suit yourself. Ah! Ah! Oh, no! Ma'am! No! Please keep the noise down. This is the library. Larry! Get over here. Search your purse. Yes, Miss Marion. Take that ridiculous helmet off. Uh, yes, Miss Marion. Just as soon as my shift is over. I wrote Christmas Lullaby with the mindset of mother and child. I have the privilege of experiencing these important phases in life. In the song, both mother and child have different wishes for Christmas. Yet, when blended together, the wishes really become one. So here is my song for you, my dear audience. Christmas Lullaby Rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you On sails through the streams Christmas Eve is here and children see the stars shine And presents neath trees For we love to freely fly And sleigh rides through the sky Where lands are gleam with crisp white snow Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. All three kings came forth to bless the little newborn with gifts for his birth. Since that day we find that love is all forgiving, 
for all of its worth. Let's sing in harmony with all the girls and boys, for this day is filled with love and joy. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. Cannot wait to see the presents for me underneath the Christmas tree. Hope you saw the note and get here in time, cause now it's Christmas Eve. I dream. full of joy for now it's so near you know I love you so newborn babies born with presents adorned the three wise kings knew of his worth I pray for love and peace and all that it brings to everyone on earth let's see that we all know my heart is full of joy for now it's so near you know i love you so rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you me on sails Christmas Eve is here and children see the stars shine And now it's Christmas Eve trees For we love to freely fly And slave eyes to the sky When lands are gleam with white snow Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams When love's all Rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you on sails Christmas trees. Christmas Eve is here and children see the stars shine and presents beneath trees. For we love to freely fly on sleigh rides to the sky where lands are green with crisp white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. For we love to freely fly on sleigh rides through the sky, where lands are green with crisp white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. Thank you for calling. How can I help you? You're talking to Ace. How can I help you? Hi, Ace. My name's Carl. Hey, Carl. Like I said, how can I help you? My wife's pretty mad at me for not having the house clean this past weekend after she got back from her business trip on Monday. Yeah, so? Well, she's pissed because the house is a mess. Okay. What else you got? Nothing. That's it. She told me she wanted the house clean before she got back so she wouldn't have to do it. And I didn't do it. And that's what you're whining about? Why didn't you just clean the house like she asked? Not like you didn't have the time. You had the whole weekend. Well, 
Well, I was going to, but a couple of my buddies came over to watch the game Friday night, and they didn't leave until Monday afternoon when I had to leave to pick up my wife from the airport. By then, I didn't have time to get to it. By any chance, do you work? No, not for about six months. Hmm. Seems to me the least you could have done was clean the house while she was gone. By the way, one of your buddies named Luther? Yeah. Why? I just got off of the phone with him before you called. Apparently, he never bothered to tell his wife that he was spending the entire weekend at your house. Yeah, I can see where she'd be upset about that. She kicked him out, you know. Well, that sucks. Yeah, for you. That's his problem. I'm not the one who got kicked out. Not yet. What do you mean? Luther's on his way over to your place right now to stay. How do you know he's on his way to my place? I told him to grab enough things to hold him over for about a month and then head over to your house. What? My wife hates him. Huh. Didn't see that one coming. Man, she's not going to like this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's going to be pissed. Wow, this could turn out bad. Bad? Of course it's going to be bad. She's going to kick me out. Bummer. How could you do this? Hold on a second, Carl. We have another caller. Hey, Carl, what's your other buddy's name? Harold. Why? Well, 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 what do you know? Looks like I got Harold on line three right now. Hmm. You know, I might have a way out of this for you, so listen up. Here's what we're going to do. First, I'll put Harold on hold. I take it he's not married or has a girlfriend or anything, right? Right. Good. Next, you go meet Luther before he gets to your house, and then the two of you start heading over to Harold's place. In the meantime, I'll tell Harold to start straightening up his place right away so it's good to go when you get there. For what? What do you mean, good to go? Good to go so you and that other dumbass have a place to stay until your wives let you come home. Oh, and if I were you, I'd call Dibs on the couch as soon as you walk to the door, just in case Harold only has a single bed. Anyways, thanks for calling. How can I help you? Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Dead Poetry, where we delve into the minds and inspirations of some of history's most famous poets. I'm your host, Bart. Today's lineup, as usual, all dead. Let's welcome our distinguished and interesting panel of guests, beginning with Mr. Robert Frost. I'm as glad to be here as the morning dew upon the wistful petals of a brand new flower as it greets the first ray of sunshine that caresses its meniscus form. Mr. Shell Silverstein. His welcome ran straight through my ears and out my nose, and now it's fallen down upon my toes. Ouch. Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Or whatever it's worth, I'm supposed to be dead and wouldn't much rather be doing dead things than this. And last but not least, Mr. Theodore Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Bart. Thank you, thank you, from my heart. For I will thank you in a boat. I will thank you with a goat. And I will thank you on a box. I will thank you with a fox. And I will... Yes, and welcome, gentlemen. Now... Since I have all of you here, and there's no guarantee you will ever be back, I'd like to skip all the fluff stuff and get straight into the meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes, a delicate palate to tease with the earthly flavors of spiced delicacies heartening deep within the confinements of the human breast, and my soul is as famished as my gut, waiting patiently for the harvest of nature's bounty to provide that food for which the inner voice shall beckon to. Uh, what? 
A potato got stuck in my left ear and a piece of meat got stuck in my right. If I pull them both out and cook them up quick, I shan't be hungry tonight. Oh, oh wait, I I'm sorry. Uh, what I meant was... I wish I were dead if I wasn't already dead. Please kill me and send my body to the morgue. Will you feed me? Yes, you can. A knife and fork to use, I am. For I will eat it in a boat, and I will eat it... With, with a, a goat! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. Look, folks, it's not about food. Meat and potatoes was just a metaphor to start talking about important things. Oh, yeah, right. right. We got it. We if got I it. can't die, then you're all dead to me. <sighs> May I please continue? Continue soon. Continue now. Continue with a slogging cow. You can continue in a boat. You can continue with Zeus, a... Zeus! Knock it off. No more goats or boats or, or think twos, damn it. As my brain begins to ring, I never said a thing about a thing. I don't care. Do you mind? I just want to ask my question. Please. Okay. All right, I guess. Go ahead, go ahead. Thank you. Now, the question is, what do you feel is the most important dilemma facing our world today, and what suggestion would you present to fix it? Let's begin with you, uh, Mr. Frost. Winding roads, carved out upon the snow-covered hills, sit quietly awaiting the stealthy winds to drift silently by. Forever will we have... Oh, uh, hold that thought, Robert. I believe we have a caller. So... Hello, and thank you for calling in. Who do we have on the line? Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson, what a surprise! Good timing. Would you like to chime in on our question? No, but I do have a question for you. Oh, why, of course. By all means, ask away. How come it's always men? Uh, excuse me? Why don't you ever have any women on your show? It's kind of stupid, don't you think? What is this, a boys' club? Hey, 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 you still there? Hello? What, did I... Did I lose you? What? Anyone? Anyone there? Bart? Bart? Oh, dear. It looks like we've lost our caller. Well, on to the next poet to pick up on the same question. But I was just in the middle of an answer. Sorry, Frost. The show's not that long, and we have to go to break soon. I'll come back to you if we have time. Oh, and by the way, Frost, stealthy and silently mean the same thing. Dr. Seuss. Glugnuggers. On second thought, forget it, Seuss. Nobody cares about your boats and goats or your made-up words. Poe, you're up. You got ten seconds. Go. The real trouble is, life's too long and death doesn't come soon enough. Everyone should die. Beginning now. Hung from a gallows and their eyes pecked out by ravens. Hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. To our listening audience, don't go away, because after the break, we'll be joined by the late, great William Shakespeare. He's not a poet. Hey, are you kidding me? I would not oh. rhyme him in a boat. Freddy! Shut up, or I swear to God I'll turn myself into a raven and personally peck your eyes out so you'll never be able to use that stupid boat of yours again. Folks, you don't want to miss a single minute of dead poetry. Keep it locked. We'll see you after the break. We'll close this week's show with a song I wrote based on a holiday tradition my husband and I have on Christmas Eve. It's called, This Is Our Time. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. Jingle, 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 and a ho, ho, ho. 
Well, folks, that's all for today's show of KB Cabaret. I want to thank you, our wonderful audience, for tuning in. KB Cabaret could not exist without you. I would also like to thank our hardworking actors and writers, Kate Murray, Judy McMahon, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, and Bill Murray. And I'd like to thank our hardworking sound engineer, Charles Berman, and his assistant, Valentine Monfuega, my musical engineer, Dave Rice, and a special shout-out to Christina Danella, my former music engineer, who is now working on Broadway. KB Cabaret is always looking for original musicians and writers. Inquire at kbcabaret.com. And sponsors, we have a special page just for you at kbcabaret.com. Just go on to the sponsors link and hook up. In Parlor City, there are no goodbyes, only farewells. Until next time, this is Bree Harvey. Have a Calabaloo type of day. Thank you for coming, coming to stay a while. Thank you for coming to spend some time. We love to have you and share our Parlor City. Back again now to KB Cabaret.